The song you will hear in the following episode is This City by Patrick Stump and Lupe Fiasco, copyright 2011 by Sony ATV Publishing. All Cleveland Browns highlights that appear in this episode appear courtesy of the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Hey everybody, how we doing tonight? This is the Feeling Dangerous Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host, Tyler Johnson. First off, we have a full crew tonight. The boys are all together for the first time since the live show. We'll start off with Zach. How you doing tonight, man? Doing great, man. I'm, I'm pumped for another great show, you know, another great guest. And yeah, like you said, full crew, first time since the live show, and it's, you know, we got a lot to catch up on. Yes, sir. It's definitely going to be a good time for sure. And we got Jack. How you doing tonight, man? Man, I'm fresh off a power nap and I'm not feeling too good, but we're still here. So we're <laughs> all good. Hey, man. Well, at least you woke up and uh, we told you at the last minute. So that's our bad. <laughs> yeah. but we're, 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 we're just going to let that slide. And then we have, of course, the, the guy behind the scenes, the producer, Peter Nab. How you doing tonight, man? Good, good. Uh, glad to be here. Um, was was on a little um, was on a little vacation last week, but glad to be here this week, and uh, um, and and glad to be here with a with another awesome guest. Yeah, man, definitely for sure. Glad to have you back. And uh, guys, we are joined tonight by the host of the Locked On Browns podcast, Jeff Lloyd. How you doing tonight, Jeff? We're good, gentlemen. Uh, you know, just starting slowly to get to the uh, better time of the year, although I understand uh, it was a uh, snowy Mother's Day in Ohio yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully, you know, uh, weather's warming up here. We all got a chance to find maybe some other things to do, as I'm sure everybody is pretty much eagerly anticipating uh, training camp, probably unlike any other summer ever. Yeah, definitely no doubt about that. Very excited for training camp. And first off, I mean, we really just have to recap uh, the Cleveland Browns draft here. It's been a great offseason by Andrew Barry and the 
the front office of the Cleveland Browns. And I really just want to talk about, first up, the pick with Greg Newsom at number 26. And a lot of people believe the Browns were going cornerback at number 26. Were you leaning that way as well, or do you think there was another position that they really should have addressed at that, at that spot? Well, as it turned out, I, obviously everybody believed it was the biggest need with your free agent additions attack McKinley and Jadavia and Clowney. Um, and understanding, even though they were on one-year deals, there was the opportunity for one of them, even if it you know turns out to be a good year for them, possibly you know to extend and you know it, you know stay longer here with the Cleveland Browns. The cornerback position, you know what you have in Denzel Ward. Obviously, we get with Hill being brought in, his role is defined as your nickel corner. It came down to the health of Greedy Williams, and none of us are going to know anything with what he's dealing with as far as like a nerve thing within his shoulder. He he could be deemed one hundred percent today. And none of that's going to mean anything until he actually physically has to go start hitting people again. That could come up again. It could resurface. And it seemed the smartest thing to do was to make sure you weren't put in a position like you were last year. You don't have a Terrence Mitchell around this year Mm -hmm. uh, to pick up the pieces. You needed something. You needed somebody there. Uh, Look, if if Greedy Williams' health remains, you've got a great battle between he and Newsom. Uh, If Newsom comes along, you know, just as quickly as they anticipate, all of a sudden now you're deep at the cornerback position, which is a great position to be in. But the way it broke and the way it went, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this, but I think maybe their interest in this edge class, I believe us who cover the Browns, us who are fans of the Browns, I think we all maybe felt more of a need there then obviously this front office did because they didn't even address it in the 2021 NFL draft class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as Greg Newsom is concerned, I mean, do you think him coming in like right away, is he starting opposite of Denzel Ward? Or do you think that Andrew Barry in the front office might look to add a veteran cornerback to take that position to really ease Greg Newsom into everything? I know there's been talks, and I know you guys had Lane Atkins on recently, and there's you know some players that they're interested in. Um, but what they do understand is the more it goes, the less the dollar amounts come down, and maybe there could be a striking distance between you know a free agent corner that they're more comfortable with. They did pay a little bit of a premium last year for AJ Green as an undrafted free agent. Uh, I'm sure they'd like to see what he looks like in year two. They do like MJ Stewart. Not I, I know a lot of the fan base is up and down on him. Um, he's had his mistakes, but if you find the ball, you find the ball and that's part of the deal with being a defensive back uh i think they have zero issue if it turns out that greg newsom has to be the starter but i think ideally what they're hoping for in a dream position is that greedy williams and greg newsom battle this out it's only going to make both players better and if you're going to be a successful team you need to be deep in the secondary and we saw this firsthand last year i mean uh you know robert jackson is a fantastic guy a fantastic special teamer i don't think anybody Anybody anywhere, except for maybe Robert Jackson and his family, want to see him starting in a playoff game again. Um, it's just not the way. But, you know, now you're trying to accentuate uh, your positives. And they know what they have in Denzel Ward and understanding that he does miss some time as well. You just wanted to get as deep as you possibly could and cover guys because you're going to be ahead. And you don't want to be up ahead 20 points in any game and have it come down to where you got to try and pick up a crucial first down in the fourth quarter with your offense. You want to yeah. be able to play your defense. You want to be able to attack. And another another pick, like, I mean, I mean, all around the board, free agency in the draft. It's like Andrew Barry and Joe Woods are like had a clear message, you know. Even with Stefanski, if you watched, uh, I'm sure you watched the last Billy in the Browns that just got released. Um, even Stefanski's like, no more players for Joe Woods. But then, of course, the second round comes along, and at 52, there's JOK. He's on the board, and you know, once they got to 40, they they said they knew they had to, like look in the training up. So, what do you see him playing a role for the Browns off the bat? Do you see him being an instant starter, maybe at just linebacker? Or do you see him being all over the field? I don't know necessarily if you're going to talk about you know uh, Jeremiah Usu Koromoa as a week one starter, and it's not okay. really a knock on him. 
Um, mm-hmm. This is what happens with players like this. And uh, if you remember last year, the Arizona Cardinals drafted Isaiah Simmons really, really, really high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With these hybrid players that can do so many things, it's great that these guys can do it. But you have to find, A, whether or not he's ready to do that at an NFL level. Because you don't want to say, oh, well, he can do everything. Well, that's great. If you remember years ago, that's what everybody said about Reggie Bush in the NFL. He can do whatever you ask him to do. Mm-hmm. And Reggie Bush struggled. And so it's great that you have versatility, but you have to start these guys out with the understanding of getting comfortable, getting their sea legs under them, so to speak. Jeremiah, uh, okay, what do you see that you really, really like? You like him within that seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. If he's got to come up and take a back out of the backfield. If he's got to go behind... And, you know, take a slot receiver. He has more length than slot receivers. Obviously, you know, a bunch of them are going to be faster than him. But that's why you have the safety help. You want him basically seeking and destroying. You know, there's the ball. Go get it. Uh, Between him and Tony Fields, these are players you're going to play more as pseudo linebackers when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens. This has been the key between the Tennessee Titans and a few years ago, the then San Diego Chargers beating Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. You can't have traditional linebackers on the field and think you're going to match his speed. Yes, we don't know what Lamar Jackson's time speed is, but we know it's 4-4 four, four or better. So mm-hmm. you need at least guys that have a chance at running laterally with him. They were not going to do it. You're not going to do it with Sione Takitaki. Look, everybody likes Sione. He's just not going to be a guy for that. Walker's not really going to be a guy for that. Malcolm Smith, back in the day, maybe was going to be a guy for that. At 31 years old, he's not that guy anymore. So you slowly progress him in. I think Nickel... Dime linebacker, he's going to see. He's going to see a lot, a lot of reps. Because if mm-hmm. this team should be as good as everybody thinks they're going to be, they're going to be ahead a lot. And mm-hmm. Joe Woods has said, "I want to play nickel. I want to play dime." And so you want to find these players that are the hybrids between linebackers and defensive backs. But the key, and this is probably why you know J, uh, JOK didn't go in round one, is you don't want to burn them out by putting too much on their plate too early, and then they get to a point maybe where they're mentally frustrated. So it's slow and started off almost like feeding a child. You know, you go through the vegetables, you know, the greens, and then you go through the oranges and just get him as comfortable as he can be. He could end up being one of the top snap count guys, you know, as the year progresses towards the end of the year. But they're in no need to rush him right now, which is a beautiful situation to be in. And just allow him to go out there, see what he sees, and go make plays. He does miss more tackles than people think. And I think when sometimes you have a, a reputation as a big hitter, Sometimes that gets glossed over. So, you know, playing a little bit more under control, especially at this level where everything's going to be, you know, a tick faster than it was for him in college, just ease him in. But obviously they like this role. Obviously they like it so much. That's why they went out and pursued a Tony Fields later. They want players like this that don't necessarily have to be labeled as a linebacker or as a defensive back. Also, it's going to make it really, really difficult on the quarterback to come up to the line of scrimmage and start making calls when he sees seven guys who could be playing linebacker or defensive back, and he has no idea what's who, what's who's doing what. Yeah, and, and going along with that, I mean, do you see the Browns? I mean, obviously when JOK is on the field, they'll have them like maybe in the slot, closer to the line, whatever it might be. Do you think they're going to create maybe like kind of like a new position for JOK and Tony Fields, like maybe like a spur or just along those lines, like maybe just a different position for them? And then throughout the years, we might see the Browns adding players at this new position. Well, to be technical, I mean, you could do this with Ronnie Harrison. Um, you could do these types of things as well with Grant Alpert, who we haven't gotten to see yet. 
you know, just guys who were a little bit bigger. And then the weights, you know, oh, so they're maybe eight, nine pounds less than what a traditional linebacker would weigh. That's okay. But they also are a tenth of a second faster or two tenths of a second faster. So we'll give up the seven, eight pounds because we have a faster player on the field. Oh, well, what happens if the guard? No, don't worry about it. He significantly faster than the guard. The guard pulls. He's going to beat the guard to the spot. That's why you're looking for players like this. It's all about athleticism, and that's what you're trying to do here. You're trying to get your fastest players on defense. You go back to some of the most successful defenses ever, the Ravens in their heyday. They were fast everywhere. Miami University in the day, everybody ran a 4-4 on that defense. You're just trying to get as fast as possibly you can on defense. And the thing is, is the better the athlete, the faster they run, the hope is the better coverage they can give and sustain their coverage. And you can just allow this pass rush to do what they're going to do. And keep in mind, you have three pass rushers who run four, six or faster. So it's just about over overall upgrade of the speed, picking up the tempo and basically forcing what the offense can do. As opposed to last year, when they had these scenarios, they had to sit back and let the offense do what they wanted because they were so afraid and they were so unathletic that it, one drive could go 80 yards and then they were right back on the field and offense and they had the defense feeling bad about themselves for Joe Woods. He's in a, a just a perfect position i mean he's literally got to be walking around like a kid with a smile on christmas morning he put his work in for one year didn't really get the ammunition he needed um but this year it it was kind of like well it was joe's big birthday oh he turned 14 this year so we really got to get him some good gifts and joe certainly got a lot of good gifts yeah that's for sure yeah definitely no doubt about that and as far as the bigger impact this year who could you see having more maybe of a bigger impact on the defense this year will it be Greg Newsom or do you think JOK considering the fact that you can line him up everywhere right now if you're gonna ask me today I would say Greg Newsom and that's just due to the fact that we don't know I think Greg Newsom has the easier (laughs) path to start a cornerback one of the things we're forgetting about Greedy Williams is is he was not brought in by this administration So technically, he played, what, six practices in the summer for this organization? Mm -hmm. We don't know what they felt about him then. I mean, there could have been a chance they thought Terrence Mitchell was going to be the starter all along. We have really no way of knowing. They don't have much invested in Greedy Williams. And I'm not saying this is bad or this is good, but it's the reality of what it truly is. Are they invested in Greg Newsom? Wholeheartedly. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is their... 26 overall pick. Uh, they were sitting there with their fingers crossed, thought maybe about whether or not they were going to have to jump up to possibly 21 to get him. Played the waiting game. It worked out perfectly. The, it fell the, pl- the player they wanted fell into their lap. If you're going to ask who would give the bigger impact, I, I'm going to base this on playing time. And I think right now I would say Greg Newsom. It probably would be in line for more playing time. Of course, anything can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, some thoughts on some of the Browns, like mid-round draft picks. You tweeted back in March that you thought Anthony Schwartz would be a perfect fit for this Browns offense. So what will Anthony Schwartz bring to this offense and how does he fit with Baker Mayfield's skill set? Well, the first things first is Anthony Schwartz. If Anthony Schwartz comes on the field, he will be the fifth option in, in the passing game to start. And that's okay. But the problem is, is the secondary, they're going to look who's around and everyone's going to point to, no, I guess he chose number 10, number 10. Here, this is the guy. Look, I know Odell's here. I know Jarvis Landry's here. Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt say that's the set. We're worried about number 10 because there's not a guy on our defense who can run with him. So if he gets a clean get off or, you know, he challenges, we can't put one safety on him because there's not one safety in our defense who can run with him. Uh, we got to find a way to funnel him to a sideline so at least we can get the sideline, you know, help as a defender for a guy like Anthony Schwartz. He's just so fast. He's just so athletic. He brings such uniqueness that nobody in this wide receiver room ha- has. Now, and I, I've been mentioning, and this is one of the things why I liked him so much, was you're going to say about any third-round wide receiver prospect, oh, well, he needs work with this. He needs. 
Anthony Schwartz kind of has an excuse. He was a double athlete at Auburn. He was a full track athlete. So there were football things he missed. There was times away from the football field that he was not there for. Um, last summer, it didn't go, obviously, with no Olympic trials to go to to get ready for the Olympics. He was able to you know, put in more time, more effort, and he, there was a lot of exponential growth in his overall receiving game his last year down at Auburn. You look at the fact that he's you know, adverse in the jet sweeps. He's run a lot of reverses. Um, and just another way to use that speed to manufacture things. You know, big, uh, uh, Jarvis Landry, for what he does, is a great player. But, I mean, who do you want coming around on the end around? The guy who was yeah. you know, training to be an Olympian 100-meter guy or Jarvis Landry? Um, <laughs> and where? And the other thing with Baker, as far as Baker Mayfield is, it, it gets misconstrued because he doesn't get the opportunity to throw a lot of them. Baker Mayfield has a fantastic deep arm, throws a fantastic deep ball. He just didn't get a lot of opportunity. If Odell had remained healthy last year, obviously I think there would have been more opportunities to you know, use that part of the game. Uh, Jarvis, Higgins, they're both limited in that area. DPJ wasn't really ready yet. Hodge can do some of those things, but he was another guy that was in and out of the door every three to four weeks, it felt like. Schwartz comes in, and it's just he has the calling card that nobody else does. And the one thing I keep saying is, maybe he doesn't have to be Tyreek Hill, but you look at McCall Hardman for the Chiefs, and yeah. the return they get of that, so now it's, you know, you have to worry so much about a player who may not be, you know, your number one target that all of a sudden you're having a really, really difficult time covering everybody else because you have to pay attention to him just to the fact that he is that fast and it has to be respected. Yeah, and I feel like you're bringing in this kind of target now that where Baker is finally, like, he's set in a system. He, he doesn't have to learn a new system. He doesn't have to get comfortable with, you know, new wide receivers and He's not going to force feed anyone. So now it's just Baker can choose what great target does he want to throw to. Is it Higgins? Is it Schwartz? Is it OBJ? You know, what, what linebacker uh, hunt out of the backfield? We have so many more targets now that we can just, you know, feed the ball to. I, I feel like this is going to open up the field so much more. I mean, you touched a little bit on it, but why exactly do you think JOK dropped down to uh, to 52? Do you, do you think the Browns got a bargain at 52? Or do you think there are enough red flags that it's like, Oh, this guy dropped down to fifty-two. Maybe we didn't get the guy we were we were thinking we were we were getting. I think part of it is the versatility thing and understanding. And you see, when a player like Isaiah Simmons, I think he went seventh overall last year to the Cardinals, and you know, uber uber athletic. It's very hard to define a role for them early. And you know, like I said, you don't want to rush them because if you're asking them to do so many things. If they struggle early because they're worried about, you know, I have three, four, five assignments any given week, you know, on any given set, you're, you know, it's almost paralysis by analysis. You want to keep mm-hmm. them in a comfortable, and once they get those couple of big hits under their belt or cause a turnover, and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, all right, and we see he's feeling it. And then that's when it's easier to go into a film room when you're not surrounded by other veterans and say, okay. All right, so now I've been doing this. All right, what do you want me to do now? Do what here in this scenario? And just due to it also, I don't think there was ever really the heart issue. And I had Stephen Thomas on my show, and we talked about it. This has been something I've been talked about, I think, when he was a sophomore at Notre Dame. And there was a little bit of a question and, you know, some doctor visits and a couple of tests. Nothing ever came of it again at Notre Dame. So in this year where the information was so slow as far as the entire draft process, maybe that was something that somebody missed and, you know, Look, everybody wants to take something so close to the draft, throw it out there, and want to have everybody scurry and everybody react. Uh, did he? Would it have stunned me if he went top thirty-two? No, not at all. But the other thing is, is you know, if you don't know truly if he's going to be a linebacker, if you don't know if he's truly going to be a safety for some teams, that's their turnoff right there. Especially if you're drafting late in round one or early in round two. I need a tackle. 
I mean, if mm-hmm. you're, you're telling me you want this guy and Bill says he's a linebacker and Steve says he's a safety, I need a left tackle. So, look, he could be the greatest linebacker or safety ever, but if you, we can't agree on what he is, we have bigger needs at this point. Um, so, you know, we started a drop, and there's nothing about the reputation or anything off-field other than that one little thing about maybe about, you know, whether or not he had some sort of heart question at some point in his life. Um, but other than that, you know, it was a steal. And, you know, for the Browns to trade up, and, you know, obviously Kevin Stefanski's face, and, you know, he can make all the jokes he wants. He wants Joe Woods' defense to be just as good as, you know, it can possibly be. It's going to make his life ten times easier. It, it was it's a, Look, players drop, and sometimes there's not really truly an answer for it. Um, um, there was nothing negative there. Once he got out of the first round, then you had teams starting to get, you know, chase after running backs because two went in the first round, which doesn't always happen. So now teams who needed running backs had to do that. So many teams, the Bengals, et cetera, teams passed on tackles when they truly needed one. That became the need for them. They couldn't say, oh, we really like this player, but what are we going to do now? Draft a, 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 our left tackle in the fourth round, the fifth round? I mean, how are you going to do that yeah. for your offense? It's just sometimes yeah. the draft works and it's a weird cycle. And, you know, sadly, you know, JLK kind of got caught up in this year. Certainly going to benefit the Browns, though. Yeah, de- definitely. No doubt about that. And really, which draft pick do you think? Because I, I personally think, obviously, JOK and Newsom will have the biggest impact for the team in 2021. Outside of those two, though, who do you think is the one player the Browns should Browns fans should really watch in 2021 outside of those two. I think it's going to be Schwartz and it's not even going to be a statistical thing. It's just not, it's just going to make everybody's life easier. And he could be one of those guys where you can get one week, two for 80 to touchdown. Next week, it could be one reception for minus three yards because I tried to run a screen and it didn't work. But the amount of time he can be on the field, just, just as that threat. And we talked so much about this last year. And this was where it was so difficult for Baker and why he's not getting the credit he deserves. The Browns were playing essentially on an arena league field last year. They didn't have the ability to go 75 yards, 80 yards in one play, other than that one play to Donovan Peoples-Jones against Tennessee. They just couldn't do that. So the windows he was throwing in, I mean, literally, he was a kid trying to throw a rock, you know, basically through a chain-link fence. It's impossible to do, but for the most part, he really did a fantastic job with that. Now he's going to have much open, more clean throws. You talk about Hunt out of the backfield. You talk about Chubb. You know, these guys run out to the flat. You've got to honor Schwartz. You've got to honor Landry. You've got to honor Odell, whatever tight ends on the field. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt standing there in the flat by themselves with nobody in five yards of them. And yeah. as you saw in the Pittsburgh playoff game, Nick Chubb takes one of those and goes 40 yards, zero issues. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to make everything – it should make everything more fluid. The completion percentage should probably go even higher for Baker Mayfield this year. And I think for the first time, I think we're going to talk about the fact that Baker Mayfield is probably going to eclipse the 4,000-yard mark. Absolutely love to hear that. I just love hearing that, yeah, because I'm so tired of this Aaron Rodgers for Baker Mayfield talk I'm seeing all over oh. Twitter. Oh it never Look, ends. If he's, if it he's never ends. Happy there. What makes him think everyone thinks he's just going to come? First yeah. off, he's going to choose the Browns. Like, 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 he's going <laughs> to sever his relationship with the Green Bay Packers and say, no, no, no. It's because I want to go to the Browns. And yeah. then we're not even talking about money, compensation. Okay, Aaron Rodgers comes here, plays one year, decides he wants to retire and go host Jeopardy full time. Okay, <laughs> you didn't win the Super Bowl. It's not worth it. It's not yeah. worth it. But oh, we'll get draft a quarterback next year. No, you're not, because you would have given up a first round pick to get Aaron Rodgers to begin with. It's it's yeah. so mundane and idiotic, my lord. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad you mentioned you mentioned that Zach. It's so true. I've been seeing so much of that lately, and, and so much so that Mary Kay Cabot had to um, put out an article basically saying the Browns are committed to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy, man. That, that, like so many that, that when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. So, <laughs> <laughs> so many folks that I talked to that do it. 
like, and even Jeff Risen today, I can't believe I got to write this. I can't believe I have to write this yeah. to say how dumb this is <laughs> because it won't go away. And it's, it, it's, it, it makes no sense. And he spent so much time getting his franchise to where it is. And now everybody, oh, well, you know, maybe she's a tiny bit hotter. So let's throw everything away we did for three years, you know, because I want to date with her and then have it all blow up in your face. Jeff, He's how like, much of this do you think is actual analysis? And how much of it do you think is just people wanting uh, some something to have on a, on their website that people will click on? Like, oh, Baker Mayfield possibly traded for Aaron Rodgers. How much of that do you think is actually real? And how much of it do you think is just people talking to talk? A lot of it is editors. And, you know, like, look, if you're writing it, you don't really want to write it because you know what's going to come back from your readers, your fan base. But editors are going to say, um, that'll draw 3,000 clicks. And you, you know, look, I mean, everybody's got to pay the bills. There's a way to go about it. And there's a business side to it. Plus we're now to this point where content is not going to be so readily available. Um, usually at this point, any content you're going to get big story wise, usually is bad news. You know, uh, so-and-so got a DWI or somebody, you know, take the tackle of Juwan James from the Denver Broncos blew out his Achilles in an off season workout. Yeah. So, you know, you still got to pay the bills somehow, some way. And these people don't want to write these pieces, but you have bosses on top of you that say, well, it's going to generate interest. It's going to generate reads. Maybe don't look at your Twitter feed, but please go ahead and write this for me. That's, that's so true. And a guy that um, you're, you're a Florida State fan, so and I was very happy when the Browns um, agreed to a deal with undrafted free agent Marvin Wilson, and I was really surprised that he wasn't drafted. I mean, when you look at his film from 2019 and even 2018, I mean, he, he looks like a first-round talent. So what can you tell Browns fans about what kind of player they are getting in Marvin Wilson, assuming he makes this roster? He's big. He's physical. He's got quick feet. It's weird because he's kind of got like a top-heavy frame. Um, his legs aren't really as big as maybe like the the topper, you know, the upper part of his body are. Um, but there, you know, there's a video, uh, there's a highlight out there of him just throwing Mackay Becton around yeah, like a rag doll in 2019. Um, the program itself had a lot, a lot of issues, and there was an incident over the last summer where apparently Mike Norville and you remember a lot of players were revolting at the time and trying to say, look, you know, let's let, there's things that need to change. Mike Norville had an incident. Marvin Wilson, through social media, spoke up and said, no, no, this needs to be talked about. This needs to be addressed. So I don't know if that kind of maybe put him in the doghouse. Um, but then there's players who you know didn't choose to opt out and then maybe said, wow, maybe I should have opted out. And I think Marvin Wilson was one of those players. Um, and certainly the fact that Florida State wasn't playing very well and most of their games were at noon on Saturdays. He was not going to be in any primetime situations where a lot of eyes could get on him. Um, and it just his stock steadily went down. Uh, still active, can block kicks. Um, you know, he's it's not like he's old. It's not like his age is an issue of anything. Uh, you know, I, I think the pilot light just went out. Um, he's represented by, you know, Nicole Lynn, who's also the agent for Jedrick Wills. Fantastic lady. She does a great job with her clients. I'm sure he's going to be ready to go. I'm sure he's getting schooled now on what's going to be expected of him within this organization from Jedrick Wills, from his agent. Um, it's, you know, the Browns made a pretty decent investment in him. It's a lot more than he would have gotten, obviously, if he had gotten drafted you know, late in the seventh round in a situation where it wouldn't have been as good for him. You know, they worked really hard to get this deal done with Cleveland. Um, they obviously did not bring back Sheldrick Richardson, which means there is an opportunity for any one of these eight defensive tackles to make this roster. It is a truly fair, open competition. And if he can get, you know, the nonsense, whatever, you know, did him wrong and got him off the path down in Tallahassee, if he gets that out of his head, focuses on what's in front of him, realizing there's a bunch of young players here 
there's a lot of success to be had on the field. Eventually, there's an opportunity for some really, really good money, even though his draft cycle went really, really, really bad. You got to step up, man up, and, you know, look, do you, do you want to play in the NFL? You know, because his draft cycle was terrible. Do you want to play in the NFL? You've got the golden ticket. You're here. You're in a great organization now. A solid defense, a good defensive coordinator. If he's not going to do it here, he's not going to do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it was a great, great move to make, and I, I think it's going to help. You know, again, that he, you know, his agent, and he's got inside information about how everything's going to go. Nothing's going to be too new for him. So yeah, I think it was a really, really nice get. And at, at the end of the day, the best thing for him was, you know, to go this route as opposed to saying ending up, you know, with Jacksonville, you know, with pick two forty seven. Um, you know, in a situation where you're not really sure, you know, how long anything's going to be, and if they're going to be any good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the first guy that I really think about as far as when it comes to making this team, Marvin Wilson coming in, Tommy Togiai, even Malik McDowell. I mean, the first guy that comes to my mind that could be a surprise roster cut is Jordan Elliott. I mean, could you see that as well at defensive tackle? Uh, I mean, it's understandable. And like I said, look, I, I don't – you could ask eight people, what's the pecking order of the Browns' defensive tackle room right now, one through eight? You might get eight different answers. Um, you know, some people may love Andrew Billings. A lot of people are going to say, well, Andrew Billings didn't play last year. You know, a lot of people, oh, well, Malik Jackson. Well, Malik Jackson's in year 10, year 11 of his career. We can't guarantee that you can, you know, basically just say he's going to be a starter and he's going to give you starter reps. Uh, Jordan Elliott, I don't think the Browns would be so quick to cut bait with a player they drafted top 100 only one year ago. So I would say maybe I think he's safe, but these moves and what's gone on over here over the last two weeks or so, certainly doesn't make you give you the warm and fuzzies about Jordan Elliott. Like they feel he's a starter. He's guaranteed 85% of the snaps. Um, And maybe they feel there's a little bit more. Maybe the Browns feel that and said, look, you know, it's not maybe necessarily that we're going to get rid of him, but we're going to supply some competition because we think there's more there than maybe we saw year one, which, you know, some, some people I talk with, I don't think he got the playing time to give a full, you know, detailed, you know, thought on whether or not he's a keeper, he's a, he's a goer. Uh, but I, maybe they feel in the time he got, they wanted to see a little bit more. Yeah, I could I could definitely see it being that way. And now I saw something on NFL Network that was very interesting. Thomas Davis was saying that with the Browns completely rebuilding their defense, he sees this unit as a top three defense, which I think is a little premature considering they haven't even played um, a down together at this point. What are realistic expectations for the defense in 2021? It sounds crazy to say this early, but if you wanted if you wanted to tell me is the expectation that this Browns defense could be a top five defense in the NFL next year? I said, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about Jadavian Clowney. We're talking about Miles Garrett. Zach McKinley was a form, former number one overall pick. Um, they, they showed to us last year they don't maybe care so much about paying for the linebacker position as much as they're going to piecemeal it. But maybe we saw the vision of what this linebacker position is eventually going to be for them with JOK, with Tony Fields. Uh, they want to play a lot of safeties. Joe Woods from day one. I want to play a lot of safeties. I want to play Nikola. I got to, okay. We got you, Grant Elpin. We brought you in, Ronnie Harrison. We got you, John Johnson the uh, third. You know, as far as the cornerback position, Denzel. We all know the player we've got. Of course, again, you know, a little missed time here or there uh, between Newsom Williams. Hopefully, you get one, if not both. Then you're really, really deep. But I think you're going to be able to cover so much better this year that I think the Browns are going to be. I would say, if the defense can be top five overall, I think the Browns could probably be top three in sacks as a defense this year. I think you're going to see a huge, huge tick in that number. 
because the quarterbacks are just not going to have the open receivers. They're not going to have the time. And the fact that they completely upgraded the foot speed of the guys chasing after these quarterbacks in Clowney, in Zach McKinley, you can play Malik Jackson you know, and go with that NASCAR package if you want. Um, Curtis Weaver, who nobody seems to want to talk about, was a great productive player at Boise State. Didn't have the greatest draft process. And, you know, I, you know there's a Dolphins reporter. I talked to him, like, what, what went on down there? Oh, well, you know, they didn't really like the effort he was given. I'm like, dude, he was there nine days. Like, he was there nine days. Like, they didn't like yeah. the effort. I mean, he was a rookie. I mean, we're coming out of COVID. He's, you know, he grew up on the West Coast. He's in Miami. Like, the whole world's on the nine days. They didn't like the effort he was giving. Well, I mean, well, yeah, well, then that's on you. Um, and, you know, I think the Browns, they love him. Uh, all the talk is there that he is literally working his tail off as far as getting himself in better physical shape. Uh, three years of over 10 sacks. I don't care what conference you played in. It shows you know how to get after the quarterback. Uh, it's. I, I think they're going to have an embarrassment of riches in getting after the quarterback this year. And as great as it's going to be due to their own talent on the defensive line, it's going to be due to the fact that they have guys who can just flat out cover now. And this yeah. is something they haven't had. And I've been covering this team full-time since 2017 they ain't ever had it since i've been doing this yeah and yeah and i mean at this point where do you see the browns really ranking compared to the rest of the afc i I, the browns have to be a top four afc team there's no way around it Mm -hmm. there is there baltimore cleveland i'm not gonna look it's way too early to talk about you know who's winning the afc north who's not that's for another day buffalo bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are your top four teams in the AFC right now. Um, and we talked about this, actually, the show we put out today with Jeff Risden. Uh, if they don't play for the AFC Championship, I'd say this year's probably not going to be a success. If something happens, something changes, they lose some guys. But if they're not in that AFC Championship game this year, I think the season was not a success. And, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take this one step further. As Brown, you know, true Browns fans, you know, dreamers that we are, do you think the Browns are Super Bowl contenders heading into this season? If you say they should, if they do not play for in the AFC Championship game, it's a disappointment. Then yeah, you have to I say mean, they're Super Bowl yeah, contenders. I mean, the, the fact the fact that we almost made it last year with the defense that we had on the field alone, yeah. I mean, we were a Chad Henney away from being there. So. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, a Chad Henney away <laughs> and a uh, not covering you know a Tyree kill on a fourth and inches, yeah. whatever. But it also showed the respect at the time that Andy Reid kind of thought of this team. He said, mm-hmm. "I'm going to go for this here in this situation. I may lose this game if I don't get this first <laughs> yeah. down." But I don't know if I want to put Baker Mayfield back on this field in this, in this position. And I think that's a, one thing that people didn't take away from that enough. It wasn't that Andy Reid was saying, all right, well, let's just go ahead and put it to bed. He was saying, I don't think I want to give the ball back to Baker Mayfield. It's literally yeah. what he was saying. Um, and look, the Chiefs, they run hot, they run cold, but they're good enough where they run cold, they still can pull out wins. There's some flaws there, and I know everybody, oh, look what they did with their offensive line. Well, you revamped their, your entire offensive line. There's no guarantees this is going to mess. This is mm-hmm. going to work. Um, I think everybody just assumes it's going to be a given. It's not really the way offensive line play works in any way whatsoever. It's about playing with guys you're comfortable with. You know, you understand, you have a feeling for, you know, you can look you know, behind your head and say, I know he's getting beat right now, so let me disengage and help him out. And that just doesn't happen overnight. Look, the Bills, you know, the Bills are tricky. Uh, I, I don't know if their defense got better or it didn't. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to try, hopefully, to implement a little bit more of a running game and not do it with their quarterback because if they continue to run Josh Allen like they do, I don't know if there's going to be much difference between the way it works out for him than it did essentially Cam Newton. It doesn't matter that you're six foot five, 240. You yeah. keep getting pounded. 
it's going to take a toll. And yeah. the Ravens, I, I liked the Ravens draft. <laughs> but look, I mean, Rashad Baton was a player all Browns fans loved. But we're going to do this every year? Well, the Ravens got this receiver. All of a sudden, now it's going to work. I don't think the Ravens know. I don't think Lamar Jackson knows. Nobody knows what receiver is truly going to work for him as far as being a number one wide receiver. Their number one wide receiver for the last couple of years and still will be most likely is Mark Andrews. I don't know if it's the way they run the offense or the way it works or the fact that you know Lamar has that calling card of, eh, coverage is too tight, I'll take off with it. They can keep changing the names. I don't know if it's going to make truly that great of a difference within their passing game as far as getting the wide receivers involved. I, I just don't think Lamar trusts himself as a quarterback, if I'm going to At be times, honest. There's times. Yeah. There's times yeah. where he says, I am athletic enough. Why am I going to risk this mistake? I'll pick mm-hmm. up 12 yards, and then hopefully the next play, there'll be a guy open that I can trust my vision and make that throw. Yeah, and, and the yeah, Browns defense running back. alone is just, it's just an all-around Lamar Jackson stopper. I mean, he, our That's coverage is going to be tighter. Our coverage is going to be tighter. We have – you know, a great front seven now. And JOK, he, like, he, his containment is just off the wall. So, uh, For those guys that were later round draft picks, those guys that are barely you know, on the cutting edge of making a roster or not making a roster, do you think that, ha- that not ha- – I know that no NFL fan is going to miss having the, that fourth preseason game, but, but do you think that with, with, only, three, um, with, only, three, uh, with only three preseason games this year, do you think that's going to uh, have – any serious impact on those guys that are at the bottom, those guys that are on the cut of making a roster or not making a roster? I would say in years past, when we're talking about the Cleveland Browns, yeah, that's a pretty big loss. But the Browns are in a position now where they know probably their first 45, 46, Mm -hmm. 47 guys. These guys ain't playing, man. They're not playing in the summer. They're not. Baker Mayfield's not playing. They're certainly not going to risk Odell or Jarvis. They are not going to risk Miles Garrett. They are not going to risk Jadavian Clowney. Um, you know, maybe Tack McKinley gets some, some snaps. They're not going to risk, and they're not going to care about the preseason if they get outscored 90-9 to nine in the preseason. Yeah. The Browns are not going to care. They are not going to risk what they have and the chance that this could be a truly special season, one for the ages for them. They are not going to risk that in August. And we saw mm-hmm. that last August. You know, everybody got nervous. You know, there'd be the reports from Nathan Zagara or Mary <laughs> Kay Cabot. So-and-so, the, these three names aren't practicing today. And everybody, oh, no, oh, no, 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 they're, they're just not practicing today. They yeah. had three practices. It's a little bit warmer today than it was the last couple of days. They got days off. And it, mm-hmm. it's just the way things go now. You know, it's just you, you have so much invested in these players from, you know, your job of winning and losing. And then you factor in the monetary amount that you have in, invested in these players. You are not going to risk them for anything that is close to, you know, exhibition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and when it comes down to that, I mean with the with the preseason games too, that's mainly just for these guys that are trying to make the roster. I mean, like Demetric Felton, um like Marvin Wilson, that's mainly what this is for and even Malik McDowell assuming he makes it that far. So, I mean, I, I think that they're just going to – yeah, like you said, they're just going to sit out the key guys, I mean, for the preseason as they should. There's no reason to even risk anyone in the preseason, especially with a team that has Super Bowl aspirations like the Browns do. Mm-hmm. Especially when the NFL Players Association president is on your team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. True. And then – so now – a question that really Browns fans, if you mention it on social media, they attack you every single time, even if you bring it up. What do you expect Andrew Barry to do with the wide receiver situation after 2021? Because obviously there are 
some big questions they're going to have to answer in that room. I, I don't know why, and this is the funny, and this is what I went back to, and maybe this was an example of it. You know, when Sheldon Richardson was released, everybody, great. Well, you want to know what? He wasn't making the 12 million. He wasn't producing the 12 million dollars he was making. Well, yeah. are we going to play this game? Because there are <laughs> players here who are getting paid more than that and are not producing the numbers that equate to the salary. Look, and this is not a knock on Jarvis Landry, but this is you, these conversations go on in front offices. We're paying two wide receivers $30 million. I think we're the only team doing that. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> and the most consistent wide receiver on the roster last year, as far as balls thrown to and receptions, was Rashard Higgins. They invested in Donovan Peoples-Jones. They invested in Anthony Schwartz. Somehow they got they talked to Rashard Higgins not only once, but twice into making money that he was less than that on the open market. And it's truly because Rashard thinks his relationship with Baker is better than what he can put together in an offseason with a quarterback for another team. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just likes it here. He's happy here. But the, you cannot pay... Now you're going to talk about, what, $40 million? Are you going to pay $40 million in 2022 for wide receivers when you want to get Schwartz on the field more? You hopefully want to get Donovan Peoples-Jones on the field more. You have Rashard Higgins, who you really like, and seems to be like the only guy that says, hey, if you just give me a fair amount, if I can just pay my rent, and apparently enough I can get my girlfriend that I've been dating for 10 years now an engagement ring so we can have a kid to start a life together. But everybody else is all worried about their mighty dollar. Like, it just, it's so weird. And, and the well, you know, Jarvis came here when nobody would. No, he didn't. He was traded here. Um, well, yo, we signed the extension. Well, he signed an extension that nobody else would have offered him. And, and it, like everybody wants to like look at what they want to look at, and, and they look at through fan eyes. Jarvis Landry is a fantastic player, tough as nails, hard as hell. You know everything you ask him to do. You know, look, they don't want to exactly. You don't yeah. want to run in jet sweeps, but they had no other option. Yeah, yeah. He's the, look, you got to do it. I mean, we have nobody else to, so it's mm-hmm. going to be you. But ideally, in a perfect world, if you want to tell me and you want to just say, hey. For 2022, we'll get Odell to stay. We'll get Jarvis to stay, but they each make 10, and it's 20 mil. We got 10 million to work around somewhere else. He's still at Peoples Jones on a rookie contract. He left Schwartz on a rookie contract. Maybe you tell Rashard, hey, since you got the kid now, we'll bump you up to three. So I say seven million. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the seven million, and I've got a great wide receiving core. But you know, there's guys in there crunching those numbers as to where the money is allotted. And, I mean, that's got to be something that keeps coming back up. And, look, maybe Odell's year would have been better last year, obviously, without the injury. Maybe the stats would have been better. And everybody, well, look what they did in 19. Well, they were getting their asses kicked. They had no chance. They were throwing 75% of the time. They should have had over 1,000 yards. Um, And keep in mind, Higgins wasn't a part of any of that. If Higgins had been, maybe neither of those guys would have seen a thousand yards in nineteen. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a it's cost feasibility. Your boss is not going to pay you twice as much than what you actually do. This is not mm-hmm. the way things work. And just because it's the NFL, it doesn't mean it's any different. You yeah. have you should be performing equal to what you are being paid. Yeah, and Jeff, I know you agree with this that Jarvis and OBJ just want to just win. So say the Browns do go on and we win. Well, let's the see. That's the that's the ultimate key. We'll yeah. see how much guys want to win when it starts affecting bank accounts. Yeah. So I was just saying, do, do you see possibly a Tampa Bay situation happening if we win a Super Bowl? That okay, these guys might take pay cuts to stay and be a dynasty. 
It's certainly a possibility. Um, I, I think first things first, I think that would be everybody's intention right off the bat because I mean, look, I mean, you know, Tampa's had a little success, won a Super Bowl that city has. Um, you have Tom Brady, so right away, you know, if you have Tom Brady, that that's really legitimately your goal year in, year out is to play for the Super Bowl. It would be interesting, mm-hmm. it, it truly would. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if everybody would truly, you know, possibly be on board because you have to keep in mind, you know, Odell and Jarvis. That window for big money is closing, and it's crazy yeah. to say where you're talking 28 years old. But, yeah, that window is shrinking. These wide receiver classes come out every single year, and they're almost better than they were the year before. So there's so much competition that if it were the difference between, say, $5 million and staying in Cleveland and being happy, maybe you take the $5 yeah. million, and at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you got to do what's best for you and yours. And, you know, I, I'll never tell anybody not to go chase the money. But I don't think the Browns are just going to frugally spend it. And again, this is two players that they never agreed on any of this, you know, financial resource to either of these guys. Completely different front office. Those, those are both John Dorsey moves. So Andrew Barry is going to have a completely different mindset coming into that. So, well, Jeff, who do you think would be most likely to stay on the team if one of them were to stay? If obviously we 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 all think that one at least one of them is gone, who would you be more willing to you know make a long term investment into? Would you rather it be Jarvis or would you rather it be? OBJ. If I'm keeping one, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna keep Odell, because um, the thing is is you know Odell can slowly graduate, but Odell can do the things Jarvis does. If I have Schwartz, if I have Donovan Peoples Jones, and if I keep Rashard Higgins, and Rashard Higgins can do what Jarvis Landry can do, mm-hmm. and we already know Jarvis, you know Rashard Higgins will do what Jarvis does for a lot cheaper amount. Jarvis, you know, he'd be the guy I moved on from, and everybody, oh well, you know, he blocks and. Really? Because that was a precedent. That was a precedent last year on these wide receivers. Why is Rashard Higgins playing early? The reason he wasn't playing early was is basically they told him, you don't block, there's no opportunity to get the rock. Rashard Higgins, what did he do? That Dearness Johnson yeah. run against the Indianapolis Colts? Yep. Who had the game-winning block? Rashard mm-hmm. Higgins. The light went on. If I don't get physical, it ain't going to matter. I ain't going to be able to complain about the balls because there's going to be zero balls coming my way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, way too early prediction. Chris Olave to the Browns next year? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I love both of them. I think I think Chris Olave will be the more Chris, Chris Olave is going to be the more consistent one. But uh, Miller's ceiling, uh, okay. oh my god, he's yeah. he, uh, he's he's special. The, the circus catch, he just needs to work a little bit more on the routine. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're telling me we're moving on, we have to have one of those two. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, but I don't know if either one of them will be available at 32 though. Well, oh, yeah. I love it. I love Let's it. go. But see, it's it's funny. We even we're already like just hypothetically talking Chris Olave. I saw way too early Mark Mark. Wow, uh, mock draft with Pro Football Focus. They actually mocked Chris Olave to the Browns. What so pick did they have us picking at? Um, it was twenty six. They keep you at the same pick. Oh, okay, just, okay. Just, just just to make it easy. <laughs> But as far as um, contract extensions go, do you think Baker Mayfield, the Browns are going to look to try and sign him before or after this season? And if Lamar signs, because apparently the Baltimore Ravens are in contract talks with Lamar Jackson and the Bills are looking to sign Josh Allen, if one of them signs first, is that a bad thing for the Browns? Or do you think that Andrew Barry in the front office isn't really concerned about all that? I don't think anybody should be. And if I'm Baker Mayfield, you know, the thing I'm looking at right now is it's, it's one year with this organization. Um, and what am I saying? I'm, you know, and I think this is kind of the way Baker's wired is. Yeah, last year was great. I think this year's going to be better. So mm-hmm. why am I going to work on this deal now? Well, why, and then the other thing is we're not really sure where the cap number is for you know 2022 yet. So why would you commit 
you know, basically on a projected soft number. And I also think Baker is also going to be, you know, I'm not sure maybe so much about Josh Allen. I'm sure Lamar Jackson is probably going to chase every top dollar. But I think Baker is going to be more of like, well, what is it going to take for me? But also, who are we losing here? Yeah. Like, you know, well, yeah. where, where are the casualties going to be? Because mm-hmm. um, Baker Mayfield makes a lot of money off the field, as we all know. His face is plastered on them every commercial and every game, you know, week in, week out. Um, but I think Baker's <laughs> going to say, well, I, I still want to – because what's going to happen? If Baker gets a really, really big deal, they lose some key players, the Browns aren't as successful as they were, and we, you all know how this fan base is going to work. Well, yeah. because Baker had to have $300 million, we don't have any wide receivers. Our defense sucks. We lost Denzel Ward. And, you know, I think Baker is intuitive enough, smart enough, intelligent enough that they're going to wait. And I think they may discuss it this offseason. I don't think it's going to happen. There could be some talk and some rough numbers. Hey, if the cap's here, we're thinking this. If the cap's here, maybe we're thinking that. But if I'm Baker, no, I'm not. There's no way I'm agreeing now. After what I did last year with the fact that it was basically playing in a box, You've added more weapons. The fact that we will hopefully don't have to deal with COVID nonsense where he's turning around, you know, and meeting a guy in the huddle and basically <laughs> introducing himself and saying, I don't care what your name is, whatever you do, make sure nobody hits me. Um, I think Baker. Guy named Blake. There you go. Your guy named Blake. <laughs> but I mean, he's going to be, he should be in a situation where his numbers all across the board should be better in 2021. Yeah. So why sign a deal now? I truly think that Baker. When I woke up this morning, the, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Talk of, uh, MVP this season. I truly it's, think. Well, I Jeff, think he's. I think he's in a good position because if the Browns do play for an AFC Championship game, yeah, it's going to be so unprecedented that mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be like, well, I think we maybe have the MVP of the NFL here. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jeff, uh, I, th- I think one of the big things about the Browns too is not only that uh, you know they have to worry about re-signing Baker, they have to worry about re-signing Denzel Ward, but the big name is re-signing Nick Chubb. How big of an issue do you think Nick Chubb's uh, re-signing going to be? Do you think we're going to see them try to sign uh, this offseason, or do you think they're going to save that for next offseason? I honestly think what we're going to see is we're going to see at least one, if not two, franchise tags on Nick Chubb. And I think this is one where – and this is where you have a good situation with Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is not like other running backs. He's not an ego guy. He literally is maybe at times the most important facet of your offense – he doesn't carry himself like that. There is zero attitude about him. If Kareem's going to go in for three or four reps, you don't see Nick Chubb standing around pouting, consummate team player. But also, the Browns understand that there's times where they're in a hole, and it's, well, what are we going to do? You know what? Let's give Nick three carries and see what happens. And the next thing you know, the ball is 45 yards down the field. The Browns are finding a way to get, a, get it in the end zone, and you'll change momentum of a game. He's an important, important factor. There's no way around it. Uh, I don't know if the Browns want to get into a position, you know, they're not going to give him a five-year, six-year, $7 million deal. That is, I mean, year, seven-year deal. That is not going to happen. No way in the world. So maybe it's one franchise tag. Perhaps it's two. Or at the end of this year, it's two years. The money that he would take on two franchise tags, two years, $25, $26 million. You can always move on from Nick Chubb, who's, I mean, uh, Kareem Hunt, who's making six and a half essentially over the next two years and find somebody cheaper to do Kareem's role because you have that much faith in Nick Chubb. I, I, it's not, never going to be a long-term deal. 
And the thing is, they're in a really great advantage because Nick is such a great person and cares so much about the team and just about doing his job. There's no ego. You know, what time's practice? Okay, I'll be there two hours early. All right, yeah. we'll talk then. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's a consummate pro and playing a position where you usually don't find a lot of guys who carry themselves like consummate pros. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, when it comes down to, I think the contract extensions as well, I think they will. I I kind of agree with you. I definitely see at least one franchise tag for Nick Chubb and then possibly trying to work out maybe a two year deal off of that. Like you talked about, possibly trying to give him about twenty five, twenty six million to cover that, taking him close to about where he's twenty nine years old or so, because once he gets to thirty, I think that's when as a team, you don't want to get in that position to where you're paying Nick Chubb about $13, $14 million when he's over 30 years old, like some yeah. of these other teams are going to be doing. Yeah. I just don't want to see a Le'Veon Bell situation in Cleveland. That's all I don't want to see. I don't think Nick Chubb's that kind of, you know, has that kind of mindset, but I just don't want to see it. Any holdouts, any drama. So, Yeah. My thought, my, my thoughts there too, and obviously we're going to get the new NFL schedule here on Wednesday, and we're praying this the team stays healthy. But we're starting to ask everybody this, Jeff. What is your way too early Browns record prediction right now? I'm going to go thirteen and four, um, and this is where it's going to be interesting because look, you're going to play, you know, you're going to play the Chiefs this year, obviously, so you're going to get another crack and get yourself ready. Uh, the Baltimore games certainly going to be the difficult ones. Uh, you're playing the NFC North. Uh, I mean, the Bears, yeah, you got Justin Fields. I don't think the Bears are anywhere close to being what they could be. Vikings, uh, it seems like a team that's, you know, kind of maybe stuck in the mud. Not concerned about the Lions. Uh, the Packers, I don't think anything's going to change. But, you know, who knows? You know, even with Aaron Rodgers there, and, you know, sometimes the damage gets done. So maybe that team may not be as successful as they should be because obviously there is a big disconnect somewhere between the players and certainly the general manager. There is something going on there. So I don't think the schedule is really that much of an issue. Um, I think the, the thing they learned last year is they can learn how to win games later. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they're tight, which was big for them, they learned how to close out games last year. And we're also talking about the fact that this defense should be vastly, vastly improved athletically, skill level. This defense should be light years ahead of what it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. And so we got some pretty good questions here for you um, that, that we've gotten sent into us and some we came up with ourselves. Obviously, the Browns have had a huge free agency and they've completely revamped this defense. Besides John Johnson III, because I, in, at least in most of our eyes, we be, believe he will have the biggest impact on this defense in 2021. Who do you see uh, free agents having the biggest impact for the Browns this year? I would say this one's even bigger than John Johnson III. It's Jadavian Clowney. You're talking about a player who was the former number one overall pick. And what motivates Jadavian Clowney? Money. And this yep. is the first time his entire career he's not really getting a ton of it. I mean, everybody, $8 million is not a ton of it. Not for a guy who was a food number, former, former number one overall pick, one of the most athletic edge prospects ever in line with uh, you know Miles Garrett. The fact that you are now saying my life is going to be exponentially easier because I am playing with Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Now, you did, I mean, there's just so many for instances. What if you put Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney both on the inside? you got two guards in the center saying, call timeout, call timeout, call yeah. timeout, call timeout. <laughs> or what if you, you, know, you put them on the same side or you, know, you put them both at an edge? 
always you're always going to put the attention to Miles Garrett first because there's going to be questions of is Clowney healthy? Is he not healthy? All right. So if you put Garrett or Clowney on the inside, what are you going to do about the fact that Tack McKinley's coming off on one side running a four or five? There should be a huge, huge opportunity here for Jadavian Clowney to make. And this has always been his thing. He, he makes plays. Um, and people don't understand. He kind of is similar to Olivier Vernon, where he kind of grades out pretty decent as a run defender. Mm-hmm. He's never really given the credit for it. But if he can put together another complete season and, you know, and find somebody to pay him three years, $40 million, that's for Jadavian Clowney, there's a money motivation here. Um, winning, sure. Um, you know, but he's tasted playoffs before. He's been there with Seattle. He's certainly been there with Houston. Um, you know, he finds a way to get this and make a couple of plays in the playoffs and probably get to an AFC championship game. Uh, you know, another big fat deal coming for him. I think Jadavian Clowney, and I think it's even bigger than John Johnson the third, because I think as much as I love John Johnson the third, I think he's gonna be part of a great safety group. But I think between him, Delpit Harrison, they're all gonna have their key moments. <laughs> But if you can get that one other just absolute nut job freak defender of a player next to Miles Garrett, I, I don't know what some teams are going to do. Like, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, he's seriously got to be reconsidering the decision he made right now. Yeah, I mean, he, he couldn't run away from the Sheldon Richardson's <laughs> world. Good luck running away from the fact that there's Garrett on one side, side Clowney on the other, or one of them coming up the middle at you, and you you've literally got you know the you know the mobility now of Stonehenge for God's sakes, <laughs> and and not and not even that, Jeff. Think about what Joe Burrow's thinking right now because coming off a knee injury. But hey, he got Jamar Chase. That's all exactly. that matters. Who cares right. about my, my bad knee? The fact that everything is invested in me as the number one overall pick. There are two franchise left tackles in this draft. But hey, man, me and Jamar Chase had a lot of fun. I, at LSU. I hope Jamari Chase can block Miles Garrett off the yeah, edge. Yeah, I mean, I hope he's gaining three hundred. I mean, I hope he's gaining one hundred and ten to twenty yeah. pounds, and he's going to be able to block one of these guys. Otherwise, you know. Well, no, but they got Riley Reef. Well, Riley Reef is like 31, 32 years old. And, you know, I, I'm sure he's not too thrilled about the fact that it's either going to be Clowney or Garrett he's going to have to block. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I have to admit, I understand. Like, I get the point of why and they would draft it's Chase. It's not a knock on Chase. Chase is it's a, a dumb fantastic decision. player. Yeah. And look, if Joe Burrow didn't already have the knee torn up, I say, you know what? Screw it. You can get a tackle in round two. I get it. I get it. You're going to say, screw it. We're going to score a boatload of points because our defense isn't there yet. But if Joe Burrow goes down again in week two, you fire everybody in the building. Throw them all out the door because now Burrow's career could be closer to over. And you got a whole bunch of receivers and nobody to throw it to him. So guess what that means? It means it's A.J. Green all over again. Yep. I thought it was so interesting that in their New Jersey mock-up, they, they they specifically showed the giant scar on his knee, and I thought that, that that should have just been such an indictment that, yeah, we need to invest on the offensive line. The memes that were coming from that scar were the absolute best. That helped me. Help me. I'm blinking twice. Somebody come get me out of here. I need a new head coach. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, I think Chase is going to be a really good player in the NFL, but when you have the opportunity to land a franchise left tackle like that in Sewell, who probably will be a pro bowler for the next 10 years, I think you have to do it. And that's why even though the Lions, who they need every single position imaginable, they drafted him, and they're going to have a cornerstone on their line for years to come, regardless yeah. of whoever they get at quarterback down the line. Well, it's funny, and it seems like some teams kind of like looked at what the Browns did. You know, Browns with the number one offensive line run blocking, number one offensive line pass blocking, and even the Jets, and I've bashed the Jets for ages. You made the investment in Zach Wilson. What did you say? We're trading up. The Jets are trading up for a guard. Yeah, well, the left side of their offensive line now looks really, 
really good. That's how you protect your investment. You didn't protect your investment in year one by getting anybody to block for him. Guess what happened? He blew out his ACL. So the best way to protect the investment in year two, now that he's on a knee, a bad knee, and coming back, is taking the wide receiver over the tackle. I, I, I'll, I'll never, never understand it. I mean, even if you just at least traded and found somebody to come up and maybe get two to three more picks so you could say, all right, well, we can get Bateman and we'll take a tackle at 17. At least that would have been addressing two things. I, I just, I'll never get it. And the worst part is, is everybody knew they were going to do it. They didn't care. Everybody said, oh, it's got to be tackle. 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 And the Bengals bungled it. Yeah, they definitely yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. And then when it comes to um, the big contract extensions coming up here, there's four the four big ones here, obviously, Denzel, Baker, Chubb, and even Wyatt Teller. Of those guys, who do you think signs and who doesn't? I think all of them are going to stay. I, I do. Ooh, um, I love a, that answer. Love that a, answer. Well, and it's, but see, yes, but there's also a caveat to this. Oh, look, gosh, you Jeff. look, you look on the interior <laughs> of this line. You have a left guard. You have a center. They're getting older. It's, they're, they're not dropping in play, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're getting older. But also, mm-hmm. here's what you do, guys. You know, and even Joel, which is the hardest one. Joel, you've been a part of this. Look, we're going to be real with you. We need some money. You know how good Wyatt is. So the question is, is it time where maybe you go do something else? Or is it time to understand that you're not the guy anymore, as many as some players did for you when you were here with the Cleveland Browns? Or there's also, you know, J.C. Treader, you you drafted a center last year. Obviously, they have a reason that they like Harris. And it really only looks like Harris can play one spot. And that might be center. center. Yep. And Conklin, the way his contract was done, it was essentially a two-year deal. It can go on, but essentially it was a two-year deal on paper. There's a way to make some money. Austin Hooper, are you going to go a third year if you get the same return from Austin Hooper in year two that we got in year one? Understanding there were some issues, but at the end of the day, there is a bottom line. You know, Austin Hooper probably didn't make the money he was paid in year one. Mm, if yeah. that happens in year two, there is another way to be, you know, some money to be freed up. Denzel Ward, the biggest question is going to be there is, is the discussions. Because I'm sure the Browns are going to say, hey, I understand you want top five cornerback money. But there is some time missed. And this is something we need to talk about. He puts together a 16-game season or he signs this summer and they, they agree on a number. Um, but I think it's going to find a way. I mean, and these are now the cornerstone players of this Browns regime, this Browns front office. Granted, Teller was brought in by John Dorsey, even though they were smart enough to not play him for a half a season, which was really, really brilliant because you made such a move to get the guy and you played five, five other right guards <laughs> before you gave Wyatt Teller an opportunity. But you, I think you have to keep Wyatt Teller. When you talk about the fact that he's the best right guard in the NFL, why, why is he going for you know, two other interior players who are already in their 30s? Yeah. You know, that's going to be the difference. And it's and that's going to be tough. And there's good. And look, you think there's Twitter wars now. Oh, boy. Next 18 months or the next two off seasons. Well, we're talking about some guys who've been around here for a long time, but maybe are no longer the top players on this roster and changes are going to have to be made. But, you know, that's the price you pay for being good. And that's the price you're going to pay for trying to continue to be good. Keep it on that. Uh, Baker Mayfield, where would you rank him? In your QB rankings, I would say top half at least right now. Okay. Um, the thing is, is you gotta 
and this is probably where it gets hurt is because 19 was rough. And look, you know, we all know what was working against him. But to go off of such a great rookie year and basically changing the thought process of this franchise, the success of this franchise, I mean, he took an 0-16 team to 7-8-1 and stopped giving away that jet victory to Tyrod Taylor. They were losing when Baker got in the game. Yeah. Baker won that game. So essentially, Baker went 7 6 and 1 as a rookie. Um, 19 was just an absolute bloodbath. And Baker certainly did not look good, certainly looked frustrated. If he, you know, because of it's one good, one bad, one good, it probably hurts him. And look, there's always going to be the naysayers on Baker Mayfield. There's always going to be the doubters. I'm not one of them. He's, you know, and it's the mentality, it's the fire, um, and it's the fact when things are going good, like he plays himself off like he's this big, macho son of a, and then things are really going good, and you see him, and he's smiling like he's 13 years old, like he's playing back in the back, you know, like somebody's backyard in Texas again. He's just a special, special guy, and he'll probably never get the respect he deserves nationally. And, I mean, it's just what it is, so be it. There is one way to change it, and it's a trophy that stands about, you know, about yay high or so. Yeah. He gets one of those. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's yep. going to care. Yep. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. The only person <laughs> that still might care is Colin Cowherd. Yeah, but you know, no, dude, he's already started. He's already starting the whole thing. Baker's got the got a stacked roster. He's got an insane defense. If he doesn't at least make the Super Bowl, he's basically a butt. He's holding them back. <laughs> yeah, it's already started in that regard, which is just crazy to me. I don't understand how you can complete. Just, I mean, I know Baker went on there on his show after he was drafted and bodied him. Like, and just made Colin Cowherd yeah. look pretty small. But, I mean, besides that, Baker Mayfield going through That's three not that different hard to do, coaches That's during this time is just ridiculous. Well, you, you need balance. You need continuity. And you know, the thing is, everybody talks about these throwing sessions. Well, that's fantastic. This is what you should be doing. But when you're trying to do these things and it's like, uh, well, the, the coaches aren't here. Well, what am I supposed to do on this play? Well, I don't know. It's, are you, did they tell you you're X or you're Y? Oh, they didn't tell me if I'm X or Y. All right, so we're just basically running around. We're getting nothing accomplished here then. Now, year two, this is Baker's offense, and Baker's taking these guys, and they're working with Anthony Schwartz and saying, no, 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 we know exactly what they want to do with you. So you're getting a lot more quality work done as opposed to, you know, there's always, oh, they're working out, they're throwing together. Well, yeah, but if you don't have a full offense that you're trying to improve upon and using from last year, you're not getting the same thing out of it. This year, it's going to be a lot different. They're getting a lot more out of it. Baker knows these players. They know the offense. Everybody knows the roles. They know what's expected of them on given play calls. I'm sure this this year's work was 10 times better than it was last year just due to the fact that the guys are more comfortable and they don't need to say, oh, well, let's pop back in and call coach real quick. Everybody knows what's going on, and they know it like the back of their hand. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And we really just have one, one last question here for you, and we like to ask guests this when they come on to the show. What advice would you have for small podcasts like us and many others that are trying to grow into this field? Um, well, from firsthand experience, um, use social media as a plus. Don't dig yourself some holes. And I, I, I'm guilty of that. I was. Um, and even when I started here with this and, you know, there were some certain names that, you know, eventually ended up blocking me and I probably deserved it at the time. Um, and there were other people who reached out and they're like, dude, you know, how do you expect your product to grow? You know, when you can't reach out, you know, say a certain member of Cleveland media writes an excellent story. Um, 
you can't send them a DM because maybe you once told them they were a jerk or a jackass or their opinion was stupid. You can't send them a DM because they have you blocked. Um, using that, um, just being smart, certainly, about things you put on social media and, you know, understanding and even if it's somebody you're close with, you know, understanding that some people may be seeing your tweets for the first time. So there's certain people I talk with and me and Pete bust each other's balls all the time on social media. But sometimes there's people seeing that for the first time and they're taking that, that either, either one of us might be a jerk off, but it's no, it's like, we're close. I mean, we spend as much time together and maybe there's some conversations, even if it's just fun, that it could be misconstrued for people seeing it the first time. So maybe it's better off for a DM. Maybe it's better off for a text. And there comes a certain time where you have to understand that maybe you need to ease off the brakes on social media because yes, it becomes a point where you get aggravated, you get ticked off and it shows Mm -hmm. a side you don't necessarily want to show. But the other thing is do not be afraid to shoot your shot anywhere. I mean, like to say that I've had Daniel Jeremiah on my podcast blows my mind to say that I've, you know, Mark Sessler, I now consider a friend hosts one of the biggest NFL podcasts there is in the world. The fact that I can call him a friend now, you know, don't be afraid to take your shot. If you see somebody's got their DMs open, start off with a nice discourse. See if you ever get something back and, you know, understand that it's going to take a while. It's mm-hmm. always going yeah. to take a while. And if you guys are only doing one show a week, that gets even a little bit more difficult. And, you know, and the other thing is, is don't shove it down people's throats. Some people will retweet the same show or retweet, retweet a show from nine days ago. And yeah. cause they have nothing new. And it's like, trust me, if they were going to listen, they would have gotten to it by now, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, cause you have some people who are big social media users. And if they see that, you know, a certain account put out, you know, their show, you know, seven times in one day, guess what? Mute. And you know, that's the last place you ever want to get yourself. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely would agree with that. Really appreciate that advice and definitely something we can apply um, to our show as well. So, Jeff, we obviously want to uh, end the show with you just telling the audience where they can find you on Twitter and your podcast. Well, my account, uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, uh, the Locked On Browns, at Locked On Browns Twitter account. One of these days, and here's where we're at right now, iTunes has 31 of our NFL shows rectified. Guess who's not rectified yet? Yes, that's right. Cleveland Browns, still not rectified. So, you know, and, like, there's people, like, asking questions, and now I'm getting some negative iTunes reviews. Well, how can you use daily delivery of all things dog pound as your tag? It ain't my fault, man. It ain't my fault. You think I don't want my show up? Um, but hopefully that should be resolved. What I'm hearing is either later tonight by tomorrow. Um, but look, the brand new Odyssey app is fantastic, simple, easy to navigate. Spotify. Um, I've set up a link tree on my page, which shows every single link to where you can find Locked on Browns through whatever podcast app that you use. Um, listen, enjoy it. And it, like these last couple of weeks stunk. And it really hurt because iTunes is a big part of my listenership. And normally this is a big, big time of the year. Um, We always get a lot of reviews. And even the people who hate us, they always want to come listen to our draft coverage because they know we put in the work. So it it was a little difficult, this draft cycle, knowing what the situation we were going through. Um, but it's, it's been a ride. I mean, it's going to be four years in September doing this and from where this team was and covering 2017 and having like my wife and some of my good friends going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, did you really, really sign up for this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it can't get any worse. <laughs> and, then, and then 2019 came around and even though it did feel like it was kind of getting worse, 
Um, but it's it's a it's it's a great team. It's a fun team. It's young. It's got personality. It's got stars. It's got yep. leadership. It's got a great coach. I, I I couldn't be more excited to cover this team. More proud of what they've become after so much time. And I love even more that Jimmy and D just walk around the stadium, kind of shake hands, you know, yeah. take some pictures with some babies, do what <laughs> owners are supposed to do. Yeah, just do that. Let the everybody else do what they're supposed to do yep Mm -hmm. yeah well definitely appreciate again um, taking the time out of your day to join us here and everyone I just want to make sure that you go and uh, follow our new Facebook page which is the feeling dangerous podcast and also be following our Twitter our Twitter account is FD podcast CLE and of course guys be sure to listen to us on Spotify and Apple podcasts Remember, we are the Feeling Dangerous Podcast, and we will speak with you guys soon. Now what if I told you my city was the best, and my city was a threat to the rest? And my city was a threat to the rest. Cleveland is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. James Conner in the backfield on the right side of Big Ben. Motion by the tight end. McDonald down the line, left to right. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the two, to the one. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. A touchdown. Not a bad start. 6 nothing Browns. Marquise Bouncy just sailed the ball over the head of Big Ben, who looked at James Conner. They raced back towards inside the five-yard line. It went into the end zone. B.J. Goodson and Carl Joseph were over there, and Joseph recovers it. Field under center on first down and 10. Takes the ball, gives it. Hunt runs. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He buries that shoulder and drives in for a touchdown. Kareem Hunts and the Browns lead 20 to nothing. You're on Cleveland bound. That's my town where they show you love it. They seen you around. All of my dogs up in the dog pound. Man, I love my tribe, my calves, my Browns. That's my heart. That's my soul.